You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns 24-7, joined, as always, by our fearless leader, the managing editor of Horns 24-7, the one and only Taylor Estes. Taylor, we are coming off of a of an off week, and who'd have thunk at the beginning of this season that the Texas Longhorns would be an underdog going to face Baylor program that went two and seven last year in the first year under coach Dave Aranda. I would not be one who would have thought that chip, no chance. This was, as we've talked about a lot, you know, the, the gauntlet part of the schedule we expected to kind of end after the Oklahoma state game before Texas bye week, but that is clearly not the case. I mean, there's still some a lot of you know good teams on the on the Big 12 schedule left for Texas, so not an ideal situation, especially entering this game coming off of um, back-to-back losses to conference opponents. Yeah, and when last we were talking to everybody here on the flagship podcast, Steve Sarkeesian wanted to work on the psyche of his team and help his players finish games better because they had leads of 28 to seven and. 41 to 23 late in the third quarter against Oklahoma before losing that game. And then I uh, had a chance to go up and build on a 17, three lead against Oklahoma state and, and led that game by double digits um, in the third quarter before uh, completely getting outplayed in the fourth quarter. Um, and so back, not only back-to-back losses, but back-to-back losses where they give up a double-digit lead. And I asked Casey Thompson today, are we even talking about these mental hurdles that this team has to get over if they were in back-and-forth close games throughout the game with Oklahoma and Oklahoma State uh, and not, you know, having had jumped out to these these big leads where players could get comfortable or start to think, uh, well, we're, we're good. And, and then start thinking, well, someone else will make the play and, and have all these things. I mean, Steve Sarkeesian had this team watch the documentary free solo about the, the climber, Alex Honnold, who scaled the 3,200 foot rock face of El Capitan in Yosemite National Park without ropes, without any protective harness, uh, to point out that if you just stay focused on each step of the process and not think about the consequences of that step in the process, we'll be fine. We, you know, basically Sark was saying, we start thinking about the result or we start thinking about the scoreboard or we start thinking about the point in the game instead of just nailing the next play. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's, it's this, you know, it sounds goofy to hear that a football coach of a big time program was, you know, showing his players a, a documentary on rock climbing, but 
maybe it'll help Taylor. I mean, you would hope it would. I, that's kind of a, it is an interesting documentary of choice. Obviously, I, it's not as life or death in this instance, you know, if Texas um, does not, you know, keep to its focus or anything like that as it would be for a rock climber. But it is an interesting analogy. I mean, you know, Steve Sarkeesian, I think it's very clear that and I don't think anybody who has watched Texas this year is questioning if Texas is, you know, a competent football team. The question is, Texas cannot finish football games and, um, you know, they, they get out to these big leads and, you know, as we've mentioned, the double, double or the double digit leads late in the game against both Oklahoma and Oklahoma state. I mean, clearly those are quality football programs. I mean, Oklahoma is still, you know, a top four team in the country right now and has a chance to play for another college football playoff game, you know, like they have um, a lot under Lincoln Riley and a lot since the start of the college football playoff era. So it's not like they're losing or, you know, letting teams like a Kansas, no offense to Kansas, but a Kansas come back on them like that. Um, so, you know, when <clears throat> you look at this Texas team, Chip, it's not really about the ability to play a game. It's about the ability to finish a game. So it makes sense, you know, to use analogies at this point, especially during the bye week. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how the players take to it, though, because um, as we've talked about a lot, I think there's a lot of the here we go again mentality on this team. Um, and that's not something you can easily shake in one year or one coaching staff can shake within seven games. I mean, if it's ingrained in your, men, you know, your mental state, it's going to be very difficult to erase that from there. So, um, it, it, you know, they have to do it, obviously, looking at um, the rest of this, the schedule of Big 12 play is not going to be you know, just coasting on through the final five games of the season, but definitely an interesting analogy to use, you know, the rock climbing thing, in my opinion. Yeah. And you look at Baylor, uh, they're the 16th ranked team. Now they were off last week, just like Texas, but went from 20 to 16 because teams like Penn state lost, uh, to Illinois and there was movement in the rankings. And so Baylor goes up and Baylor opened as a three-point favorite against Texas. And Keandre Coburn, the senior nose tackle, said, I like being the underdog. Takes the stress off us. But, I mean, these are back-to-back -back road games at Baylor, at Iowa State, with the direction of Texas's season in the balance. You win these two games. You've got real momentum. You split these two games and fans are going to probably feel like they're falling off that rock face that Alex Honnold uh, scaled in the documentary free solo, which by the way is a great documentary recommend it to everyone. Have you watched uh, it? I have oh, Okay, I've watched, interesting. I've watched it twice because I couldn't believe what I just saw. It's one of those. Okay. Uh, this guy is uh, from another planet. It's, <laughs> I mean, the in the camera crew that filmed this thing, those guys are daredevils as well. But you you look at this situation, and obviously, Iowa State's now uh, back in the rankings after beating Oklahoma State this past weekend. So Texas is going on the road to face ranked opponents uh, the next two weeks, and as most coaches would say, it's a great opportunity for this team to show what it can do and, you know, put together some real momentum. Um, but it's also a, a test of where this team is and, and 
and the direction of its season. So, um, you know, Steve Sarkeesian uh, has, you know, to a to a to a player today, the players said it's not that we don't understand the schemes. It's not physical. It is mental that guys relaxed and and they have to take it upon themselves. I thought Casey uh, Thompson said it best. We have to, um, you know, look not you know we have to seize the moment not shy away from the moment and every player has to do it. So uh, it's, it's going to be a great test of, of coach uh, coaching Steve Sarkeesian, this staff's ability to get this team, you know, focused and able to play 60 minutes of football. We've seen yeah. it at times, but haven't seen it in a minute. Right. Yeah, you have it. And and one thing, Chip, I, you know, hearing Steve Sarkeesian talk on Monday, we're talking a lot about the players. And I want to make it clear, he's not just blaming this all on the players in any way, shape or form. He's been very uh, forthtelling about, you know, what the staff needs to do as well. And one thing I did like to hear him say was he talked about, you know, later in games when the team's been kind of up and down, you know, or, or had some down drives that he may be kind of I don't know exactly the words he used, but almost get a little bit too, um, you know, safe. like too safe. Yes, exactly. Like he he's not going to push the envelope and he's, he's kind of relying on things that he knows the offense has done well and can do well at pretty much any given moment. And he said that, you know, that's probably something that he needs to correct. And, you know, he's got to have more trust in the players to snap out of it a little bit more. But I liked hearing a coach say that because it's, I think that's a difficult thing for a coach, especially a play caller, to admit. I mean, Steve Sarkeesian is known as a great offensive mind, obviously. And so to hear him say that, you know, he, he may be impacting a little bit, I think that takes a lot of balls, I guess you can say, a little bit, you know, to admit like to it. Yeah, for yeah, exactly. I mean, like he didn't have to do that. He could have, you know, gone to a coach speak answer. And I think that's, you know, before people want to give up on on Steve Sarkeesian, you know, as a head coach. I know there's been a lot of, you know, people not thrilled with the last two games, especially, and they kind of get jumping over the edge, uh, coming on back to back losses the way that they lost to Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. I do think there's been some people questioning if Steve Sarkeesian's like the guy or something. And it's like, that's why he needs the time because he's able to admit to his faults, you know, seven games into the season and really just own it that, you know, he's playing it safe a little bit too much and he's got to have more trust. If the player's going to trust in him, he's got to trust in them too. And I thought that was really key. I thought that was one of the the key takeaways from Steve Sarkeesian. He talked about a lot of things they did over the bye week, talked about a lot of, you know, the focus on the psyche of the team and, you know, all of that. But from a head coach to be willing to admit that this early on in his career, especially at a place like Texas that has been quick to jump from coach to coach. I liked hearing him take ownership in that and admitting that, you know, he could have been, you know, some at fault for um, just the slowed performance down the stretching games. Yeah, that was um, actually his response to my question when I asked him about the adjustments to the adjustments that, mm -hmm. you know, you go into every game anticipating adjustments from the other team, and then you have to adjust to their adjustments. And I said, how's your staff been in that? And he said, adequate mm -hmm. and and you're right he he said that i've probably defaulted to plays in the second half that i know we run well as opposed to more elaborate plays and he said looking back 
we've run the elaborate plays pretty well and I need to be more trusting of the players. And I, I agree with you. I think that's a, that's something we never would have heard um, from the previous regime, but you know, the previous regime also played one possession games and were in every game and played physical and played tough. And, and so we can find flaws everywhere. It, it's right. a, it's a bunch of 18 to 22 year old kids uh, trying to, to play one of the greatest team sports uh, on the planet. And there are a lot of moving pieces. We get it. And, but look, fans at Texas have been starving since 2009. So they don't care that Steve Sarkeesian has been here five minutes (laughs) and, you know, look at Dave Aranda. I mean, we, we talked about this a little bit and need to talk about it more and we'll talk about it. Uh, with David Smoke in our preview uh, later this week for the Baylor game. But Dave Aranda hires Larry Fedora, has one of the worst offenses in college football last year. I mean, one of the worst. They averaged two yards per carry. Yeah. That's how bad they were. And now, you know, he lets go of Larry Fedora, he brings in Jeff Grimes from BYU, and they're the leading rushing team in the Big 12. Better than OU, better than. Oklahoma State, Iowa State with Brees Hall, Baylor. And Baylor beat Iowa State, remember? Right. So that's – you got to give these coaches some time because they're figuring things out. It's not all their players. We get it. Everybody's already looking through the transfer portal for offensive linemen. I mean, Texas fans are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and we get it. And we get that, obviously. We get it. We yeah. get it. <laughs> and and look, we, we can look at the replays of the games too and see where players, you know, are and aren't making plays. But Steve Sarkeesian's got to fix what he's got. And and Saturday at 11 a.m. in Waco as underdogs. And again, before the season, I thought Baylor was a shipwreck. Oh, Yeah. I didn't think Dave Aranda, you know, obviously he got the offensive coordinator higher wrong the first time, but uh, wow, what a home run on the second go around. And, and we know Dave Aranda can coach defense and he got one of his LSU players to transfer their nose tackle. Who's six, four, 350 pounds. I'm going to totally mess up this guy's name, but it's Siaki Apuiku. Siaki Apuiku. Uh, he's 6'4, 350, and he messes everything up mm-hmm. uh, on on defense for the opposing offense. So uh, just know number 62 is the LSU mm-hmm. transfer that Dave Aranda got uh, to come to Waco and anchor that that defensive line. And um, and yeah, they still have Terrell Bernard and um they're playing good defense. So you know, Taylor, I, I liked what Casey Thompson said um, about embracing the moment instead of shying away from it. They still do have to replace Jordan Whittington and and those catches over the middle. Mm-hmm. And I know that Xavier Worthy and Joshua Moore can get off uh, press coverage and they got quickness and and that kind of thing. But they got to show that they can go over the middle like Jordan Whittington did. Jordan Whittington was 6'1", is 6'1", 203 pounds. And Josh Moore and 
Xavier Worthy are 6'1", 160, mm-hmm. maybe 165. And that's a mindset. And so that's something that I'm really looking at this week for this offense to continue. Because remember, Jordan Whittington, 11 of his 24 catches were on third down. They've got to find that security blanket for Casey Thompson on third down. Is it one of those receivers I just mentioned? Is it the tight ends? Is it Bijan Robinson? But someone's going to have to go over the middle and and make those tough catches. And and uh, that's something they should have been able to establish in the off week with two weeks. Yeah, you would hope so, you know, if you're a Texas fan. And Steve Sarkeesian was asked, you know, kind of about the receiver group. And he said that the numbers are going to get called differently with the receivers right now. So there's going to be, you know, more opportunities there for guys with, you know, Jordan Whittington still out of the mix um, in the receiver group. I think I think the question was, is this basically just Josh Moore, Xavier Worthy or what? And that's where he was talking about this. And he said right now they're just looking for more consistency, even with the the two guys that are the – you know, the one and two guys with Xavier Worthy and Joshua Moore. Um, and But then he also did say it's been a bit of an up and down roller coaster in the passing game too. And so I think that's something, you know, Casey, quarterbacks get a lot more credit than they deserve a lot of times. They get a lot more blame than they deserve a lot of times. So I'm going to preface this by saying that. Um, but, you know, he, he's got to be better too, I think. You know, it's uh, – the receivers have to help him out. Obviously, if, if there's a ball in the vicinity or if the ball touches your hands, you've got to catch it because especially if you're a Xavier worthy or a Joshua Moore right now, when you are the the two leading receivers that the team has available and they don't have Jordan Whittington, who has been, you know, clutch, especially on third downs. Um, so obviously the guys need to make the plays when the plays are there, but Casey Thompson has to do better. And you've seen him fall off l- later in games. I know the Oklahoma state game, you know, I'm not, he, he struggled, you know, a lot, but he had a lot of pressure in his face too. So there's, there's a lot of moving factors when it comes to when a quarterback starts to struggle. But, you know, I think right now, Chip, you know, this is a very defining moment for him as well as not just the team and the offense overall, but for him, because he is entering this game, you know, with up and down performances, starting back at the TCU game. And so I think that Casey Thompson definitely has a lot of, a lot to prove. And I think he, he has gained a lot of benefit of the doubt as well. Um, you know, I would be surprised if he comes out against Baylor and struggles, but if he does come out against Baylor and struggles, then, you know, we may be having a different conversation after that game about if he is the guy to lead them down the stretch in the later part of the season. I think right now he still is, you know, but um, I think a struggling performance against Baylor may change that. And I, I'm curious for your take on the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I think the worst thing that happened in the Oklahoma State game was that Casey Thompson was part of the problem and not part of the solution. Because even against TCU, when he was one of five on third down, um, he converted two third downs with his legs and then threw the 32-yard touchdown pass to Jordan Whittington to go up 12 right. uh, in the fourth quarter. And so he overcame adversity and was part of the solution. Against OU, you know, he played heroic. I mean, five Mm -hmm. touchdowns, no turnovers led that touchdown drive with a minute 23 left, but against Oklahoma state, the pick six, and then the late interception where he, you know, tried to loft it over the defender, uh, and didn't, didn't get it there. Um, you know, those were two interceptions that were, were backbreakers. The, the pick six changed the game. There's no question. You're at the Oklahoma State 18 yard line. 
you're going to get points. You would think at least a field right. goal to go up 20 to three, if not 24 to three. And then it's, oh, you know, right. And look, we've seen Texas quarterbacks throw pick sixes in the past in their developmental stage. Um, you know, Sam Ellinger, Chris Sims, and you have to overcome it. Well, this is the game that we see if Casey Thompson can shake it off and be the guy on the road to make the plays that help get his team over the hump and not um, put them in a hole. And, and I think Casey going into the Oklahoma state game um, was right there for all big 12 quarterback. Now Caleb Williams has played what three games and the guy's a Heisman front runner. And last week he ripped the ball out of his running backs hands on fourth down and, and converted the fourth down. Everybody in the world's talking about it. He played like garbage in that game, but by God, he made the play of the year. Yeah. The most heads up play you'll see. And he's a true freshman. (laughs) Like, Oh my gosh. (laughs) Heisman ceremony. Exactly. Even Casey Thompson. I asked him, I said, are you ready to rip the ball out of Bijan's hands if you have to? And he's like, I give Caleb Williams all the credit for in the moment making that play. And he said, you know, I immediately thought, what would coach Sark have thought if I did that? But depends on how it played out. If it was right. a good play. If the ball gets loose take- on, on the ground and it's a turnover. <laughs> it's what were you thinking? Yeah, exactly. Like, it's like you, you stole the ball from the best players on the team's hands. But right. if it worked out my gosh, it would be, yeah. (laughs) Right. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it is, it's a big moment for, for Casey Thompson, because anytime you're the winner of a close quarterback battle, there's going to be, well, what about the other guy? What about the other guy? Maybe Hudson cards developed in practice in these seven games. And I would say, I, I still think Casey Thompson shows the most poise in the pocket and he has been hit 19 times in the last two games. That's too much. And he's been sacked 16 times. I mean, he's, and he's standing in the pocket. I mean, he's not running out of the pocket when there's protection and getting sacked. He's, he's in the pocket and, and there needs to be better protection. And so we'll see. I mean, Steve Sarkeesian brought it up again today. The competition has been good at left tackle for Christian Jones and Andre Carrick. Okay. What does that mean? How many, how many snaps is Andre Carrick going to get this week at left tackle? He's talked about competition between Tope Amade and Connor, uh, Hayden Connor, the freshman at right guard. Okay. How many snaps is Hayden Connor going to get? Um, because look, we're at that point of the season where if, if a guy's been in on the job for seven games and he hasn't, you know, proven or improved, then it is time to look at some younger guys. And, but the if problem is right. If they're there, the problem is you're going on the road um, for the next two games. And, and coaches are afraid to play young players on the road uh, because of what can happen in, right. you know, in a hostile environment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's no question that, you know, I think competition across the roster right now is the only thing that's going to improve this roster. But if there's not the guys there, then there's only so much you can do. You know, I mean, um, I made the bad analogy last week, but and I, I don't mean it that they're this bad, but you can't make 
you know, chicken salad out of you know what. And I'm not saying that's what Texas has right now in any way, but in a sense, I mean, if there's no backups that you truly rely on, what can you do? That's when you have to have, you know, the vocal leadership really step up. And, um, you know, before we get to love it or leave it, Chip, I one thing I wanted to touch on was, um, you know, what Bijan Robinson said prior to the bye week that he wanted to work on his vocal leadership and in the bye week. And Steve Sarkeesian was asked about that. And Sarkeesian essentially said, you know, when, when it comes to vocal leadership, obviously it's very key to have that on the team. However, it has to come from somebody who does everything right. And Bijan Robinson is that guy who does everything right. And so Sarkeesian said, you know, he does everything right on the field. He does everything right in his preparation. And then he does everything right off the field because he's an amazing person too. So if he develops that vocal leadership, people are going to listen to him, but he doesn't want it to be a focus for Bijan either if it's not you know, within a comfortable level. And that's where, you know, having a lot of upperclassmen and veter veteran players comes in handy, right? You know, if you if you do have that, um, you know, Texas does have Roshan Johnson at running back who can be that. And he's, you know, a very vocal leader. He does everything right, both on and off the field too. But it's not, you know, a B. John Robinson caliber of talent, which there's not much B. John Robinson caliber of, caliber of talent in college football in general. That's not a knock on anyone else. It's just he's that special. So, you know, when it does come to leadership, I'm curious to see what, you know, level of comfortability that Bijan Robinson does have to be a vocal leader because he may be one of the only guys on the team that carries himself in a way that players are going to listen when he talks because of everything he does that's right, both on and off the field. Yeah. And they need more mm -hmm. um, player leadership, players holding each other accountable for, for mistakes. Um, you know, we talk about it all the time, player driven teams. When the players are coaching the players, that's when the magic happens. You know, you've got to be a player led team. And, and that's where the argument of, well, Sarkeesian doesn't have his, his guys in here yet. Mm -hmm. um, but we've seen uh, some guys make plays and they got to keep making the plays. And that's, yeah. that's, what's look they've got obstacles to overcome the the offensive line has been a work in progress to say the least um put it nicely i think it's put it nicely way. but yeah. we've also seen texas teams in the past with average offensive lines do very well i mean i i i hate i'm sure the guys in the offensive line in 2009 are like sick of me yeah but that was not a great offensive line but the coaches rolled the pocket. They got Colt McCoy on bootlegs and waggles and, and hid the flaws on their offensive line um, and put Colt McCoy in position to make plays. He made them. He was special. His name's up in the stadium for a reason. Uh, but that's what, that's what good coaches do. They adjust. They change things up to feature their – their talent and hide the flaws. And that's what I'm expecting to see on Saturday against Baylor and Taylor, before we get to love it or leave it, I will say that both Ovia Gofu and Keandre Coburn today mentioned linebacker Jalen Ford as a guy who's emerging um, as a guy who got the team's respect with his play against Oklahoma state, 12 tackles, team leading 12 tackles um, had some hard hits and and so what does that mean? Well, he tends to come in with David Benda in a two-man platoon for uh, 
Luke Brockermeyer and uh, DeMarvin Overshawn, who we reported in the Insider last week, is back and cleared uh, from concussion protocol um, after suffering the concussion against Oklahoma State uh, at the end of the first quarter. But um, so that's something to watch. Is that does that mean Jalen Ford's going to come in for Luke Brockermeyer and play with DeMarvin Overshawn, or do they continue to platoon? Uh, those two linebackers in in groups because of their chemistry and communication, familiarity with each other. Um, obviously, Jalen Ford and David Benda practiced together on the second team defense in practice. So um, he was a, a name that was brought up by those players. And um, when asked, anyone show you anything uh, during the off week, uh, both of those uh you know, Obia Gofu, Keandre Coburn mentioned Jalen Ford. So we'll see uh, what that means on Saturday. Um, and look, it's uh, it's going to be a good one, just like Love It or Leave It is always a good one on the flagship podcast. It is, Chip. Before we get to Love It or Leave It, we're going to take a really quick break, but stick around because football talk continues here on the flagship podcast. So stay tuned. We will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Chip, you ready for some love it or leave it? Let's go. All righty. My first one for you is love it or leave it. Outside of offensive line, the position group that needs to pick it up the most this week is at safety. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to love this. And I'm going to love this because uh, there have been plays that, and look, I understand BJ Foster has two interceptions and that, leads the team, but there have been more plays for the safety to make, um, more plays on the ball, more plays coming up in run support. And those plays need to be made and they need to be made with, you know, this is a school that produced, you know, Michael Griffin. Uh, and if you haven't listened to that interview on the flagship podcast from uh, last week, as soon as you're finished listening to this podcast, just click play on that one and listen to a guy who grew up from two military parents who, you know, was a running back out of high school and became one of the best safeties uh, in all of football and what his standard is and for this defense and what he wants to see uh, from his position. But 
um, more plays need to be made. Look, if if you're not DeMarvin Overshawn is electric at linebacker. He's sideline to sideline, but he's not strong. He's light. He's a former safety who had to battle through a shoulder injury and has struggled to get stronger. He had COVID the year before. Luke Brockermeyer is a sturdy, smart linebacker who knows where to be for the most part. And for the most part, you know, gets there is part of the tackle. You know, if he doesn't make the tackle, he slows the guy up enough for everyone to come in. But if you don't have lightning strength at linebacker across the board, your safeties have to be the cleanup. And I get it. Pete Kwiatkowski has been playing two high safeties. It's hard for safeties to be involved in the running game when they're 10, 15 yards off the ball. Right. This is something I'd like to see this week as well. Let's go single high safety, bring a safety down into the box, however you want to disguise it, and get those safeties more involved in the run defense. And, and I get it. You know, Pete Kwiatkowski likes to keep everything in front of him and then, you know, give up yards between the twenties and then give up not much or a field goal in the red zone, but they've got to be more aggressive. Taylor Pete calls good blitzes. Yes. They've had success blitzing. They've, they've forced turnovers on their blitzes. Trust that keep going with that. Stay aggressive. Keep your players thinking aggressive. Um, so yes, I'm going to love this Taylor. I'm going to say the safety position. Uh, needs to pick it up. How about you? Yeah, I'm going to love it. And I think, honestly, Chip, a part of me wonders how much trust Pete Kwiatkowski does have in the safeties to make those plays. You know, if he brings, you know, one up into the box to help with run, you know, support, and then he's leaving one guy basically on an island to be the one to stop it, who's that guy? Who who would you pick? I don't, I don't know who I would pick between BJ Foster and and uh, Brendan Schooler right now. And those are the two you know, that they they have for the most part to work with. I mean, Jaron Thompson, he pretty much lost his his role. Um, so that that's an issue in itself, but it doesn't matter. I mean, these are guys that were recruited to the University of Texas. They're not like no offense to this guy. It's not a Dylan Haynes situation, a former walk-on that all of a sudden is this, you know, a four-year starter at safety for Texas. That's not what Texas has at its disposal. They have guys that you know, we're highly recruited guys coming out of high school. You know, you look at BJ Foster was a former five star. You look at Jaron Thompson. He was a, you know, a high rated four star. Um, they haven't gotten the development. I think that people expected them to be it. But still, when you have that type of kind of clout going in, you've, you've got to play up to at least a standard of being consistent. And they're not playing that right now. And so, um, you know, that needs to change because, the Steve, the run defense, especially, I mean, it's, it's one that people are going to keep testing until it shows that they can stop the run. And, um, until, you know, everybody really buys into stopping the run teams are going to run on them. And they're, you know, the, some of the most explosive plays have been run plays that Texas have given up this season. So yeah, I think that safety has to do a much better job of helping the defense as a whole. And when the ball is coming at them, they have to make the play. And that's, I think the most frustrating thing for a lot of people that watch this defense right now is they're not making the play a lot of times when they're, you know, in the vicinity to do so. And that's mainly the safeties. I feel like the corners do a pretty good job of making a play in the corner. In my opinion, it's probably the most difficult position to play 
aside from quarterback in football, I would say cornerback is probably the second most difficult. I mean, the skill set you have to have is very unique and not too many people have it to play at an elite level. And Texas has guys that can't. So I do think the safeties are the, you know, pretty much the middle of the defense a little bit. The safeties and linebacker position is a little bit of the the weak link right now. Um, but I would say safety needs to step it up because, you know, you mentioned before the break talking about Jalen Ford. We talked about him coming in off the bench and, you know, he played better than I think a lot of people expected to replace a DeMarvian Overshawn who has been, you know, more of a leader on defense for this team. So, yeah, I totally agree. I think the safeties definitely need to step it up outside of offensive line, which we already pile on the offensive line enough. We don't even know need to go into why that's number one. <laughs> I don't think right now. But <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you think about, you know, not just Michael Griffin, but Quandre Diggs, Kenny Vaccaro, um, Adrian Phillips. Uh, and these are guys who developed into players who held everyone accountable. Kenny Vaccaro used to call out the quarterback. You know, I mean, he he wasn't afraid to hold his peers to a higher standard and and made the plays to back it up. And that's that's the kind of stuff you want to see from, you know, Brennan Schooler, whose brother is a, you know, hitting machine, tackling machine for Texas Tech. We'll get to Texas Tech and yeah. I'm letting go of Matt Wells here in a second. But, um, you know, Brennan Schooler struggled a little bit against Texas Tech. You got to coach these guys up. I would have him be the single high. I'd have BJ Foster be the one down in the box. Um, I, I still like the idea of Josh Thompson um, back there, but I, I think he was back at corner um, this week uh, on Monday. Um, and so, you know, I, it, you don't want to change everything because right. then you can spring leaks elsewhere, but um, I, I agree with you. So let's see if, if, uh, if that position can, can, uh, have more of an impact. How about, yeah. uh, love it or leave it number two. All right. Number two is Casey's job. Excuse me. Casey Thompson's job could be on the line this week with a poor performance at Baylor. Love it or leave it. You know, I'm going to leave this because I, I think Casey has, has done well in some tough spots, like, you know, him getting hit more. It's not a good sign for Hudson Card, who whose biggest problem was getting hit and then right. taking his eyes off the receivers downfield and running out of the pocket, getting sacked right. and everything bogging down. Um, I think Casey's the guy that needs to be coached up, certainly through these next two road games. And then if it's, you know, if it's not working for three straight games. Obviously, uh, Steve Sarkeesian's got a big decision to make. I don't think it's this game, but you never know. I mean, um, Casey's got to show that he can shake off that pick six and the other interception against Oklahoma State, knowing that that was a huge turning point um, in that loss and and bounce back and, and be part of the solution instead of part of the problem. I, I just, I like his toughness. I like how he's, you know, he played with that jam thumb against OU and Oklahoma state. It's better um, now after the off week, but um, I, and I think the players have bought in to him. I mean, I think they believe in him. So uh, they've seen him 
deliver a clutch touchdown drive against TCU on the road and late in the OU game, even though that was a loss. Uh, so I don't think that his, his job is on the line uh, in this Baylor game, but um, that's my, that's my opinion. Taylor, how about you? Yeah, I think I'm going to leave it. I think, I mean, it would depend on how poor of a performance it would be. I mean, I think at this point, you know, if the pass protection is the, a huge, you know, question for Texas, which it's been basically all year, then Casey, as you mentioned, I think you're right. I think he's probably the better quarterback suited to play behind that offensive line because you go back to the Arkansas game. I mean, I, I remember watching that game and literally thinking to myself, like, with each play, we're watching Hudson Card lose all faith in the offensive line. And he then he made, you know, freshman mistakes from there, um, you know, not trusting the protection when he did have it, which he didn't have it a lot. But <laughs> there were times when he did have it and he still didn't trust um, the guys in front of him to protect him. And that's when he got kind of happy feet and um, tried to scramble outside the pocket. So I do think that if that continues to be an issue at the offensive line, then Casey Thompson's probably the better suited guy, especially with back-to-back -back road games. Um, now, if he goes out and has an absolutely terrible performance where the offense can't do anything, then it's a different question. Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that Texas wants to be in a situation where they're rotating quarterbacks or anything along those lines. I don't think that's something Steve Sarkeesian would necessarily want to do. I don't think that's what any coach in the history of you know, football, whatever, want to do, they've had to do it sometimes, but you don't really want to do that. So, um, you know, unless it's something that is just a mind numbingly terrible performance, no, I don't think his job should be on the line with a poor performance against Baylor this week. Now, um, you know, but again, as you mentioned, if it, if it goes back to back to back games, especially with a bye week in between, then Steve Sarkeesian has to probably make a change because, um, it's not getting better. And as we always talk about, the signs of a well-coached and a good team is week-to-week -week improvement. And if, you know, the person who touches the ball on every snap on offense is declining and not progressing in any way or doesn't show signs of any, you know, produ production or progression, then you have to make a tough coaching move. And that's probably where Steve Sarkeesian would be if that's the case. I just don't necessarily think right now that it's time to give up on Casey Thompson because, Sure, he's been up and down in some games, but when he's been on, he's really on. And I think that when he has, you know, trust in himself and doesn't let his, you know, his mind take over his play, then I think he's a really solid quarterback for Texas and for this offense. Um, but he's got to show, he definitely has to show progress. And that's where I, you know, that's why I wanted to ask you before the break about your, you know, assessment kind of on the quarterback right now, because it is a little bit of a turning point. I think this can go one way or the other, and it's going to be on, you know, Casey Thompson to really secure the job in these next two games. But I just think it would be too early to throw in the towel on him if, you know, Texas were to go on the road at Baylor and lose that game. Now, if they go on the road at Iowa State and lose too, then we're talking about something different. Yeah. So yeah, and leave it. Uh, this whole team needs to show a whole bunch of urgency on Saturday mm -hmm. at 11 in Waco. All right. And keep Taylor. it for 60 minutes of the freaking game yeah. clock. <laughs> right. And keep it for the rest of the season. Yeah. Um, right. <laughs> okay. How about love it or leave it? Number three. All right. Number three is love it or leave it. UTSA head coach Jeff Trailer is a better hire for Texas Tech than SMU head coach Sonny Dykes to replace Mass to replace Matt Wells, who um, was fired on Monday. Love it or leave it. Yeah, this uh, 
This is an interesting one for me. I covered Texas Tech when Spike Dykes, uh, Sonny Dykes' father, was the head coach at Texas Tech, and he is a legend at Tech. You know, he was a former assistant to um, Daryl Royal at Texas, and you know, was folksy and and West Texasy and and Taylor. That stuff matters at Texas Tech. You know, it does. Um, it there are certain jobs where you gotta kind of talk and think like the fan base. And I just think Jeff Trailer is is the coach on the rise. I think he's a star, and I've thought that for a long time. I thought he absolutely should have been retained by Tom Herman. Um, yeah, wasn't. huge, huge mistake in huge my mistake. Like, huge, absolutely. Because the guy's relentless and he can recruit, he can coach. You don't win three state championships in East Texas um, and have your name on the football stadium uh, in your, you know, in your hometown or the town where you won all those state titles if you can't coach. And what he's done in two years at UTSA uh, is phenomenal. He's totally changed the culture. They're eight, no undefeated. Uh, they beat Illinois, the same team that beat Penn state. Um, this past weekend, Jeff trailer to me is the next rising star coach, uh, in the head coaching ranks. And, and I think, uh, if I'm, if I'm, uh, Kirby Hocutt, the athletic director at Texas tech, I'm hiring, Jeff trailer. And I'm not saying that because Sonny Dykes is the coach at SMU. Uh, and I went to SMU and I want him to just keep coaching. Homer I'm, take, right? No, no I'm, kidding. I, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Sonny is, he's done a phenomenal job and Sonny, um, you know, he went to TCU, worked under Gary Patterson. He understands the importance of defense, even though he's an off offensive minded head coach, he brought in Garrett Riley, Lincoln Riley's little brother. I think he's a, he's shown he's a, a CEO type head coach uh, who can handle it. He's coached at Cal, SMU. Um, you know, he's he's done it longer than than Jeff Trailer. I just think Jeff Trailer is special, and he would bring so much energy to that program. Uh, in addition to uh, his his excellent coaching skills, Taylor. So I'm going to I'm going to love this and say that Jeff Trailer is the better fit. Apologies to the Dykes family. Um, Taylor, how about you? Man, I hate going three for three agreeing with you, Chip, sometimes, but I have to love this too. I mean, I've been on the Jeff Trailer bandwagon for a long time. You know, my um, my father-in-law, longtime coach in the state of Texas, he respects Jeff Trailer like nobody's business. I mean, this guy is a special guy. And it's crazy to think. So when you said, you know, his name is on the stadium in, I guess it's Gilmer, Texas, right? I believe that's yep. where he was. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that's interesting to hear, but he's 53 right now. And he's been out of the high school coaching game since what, 2015 was it? Wasn't he hired as part of Charlie's second staff? It's either 2014 or 2015. He's been out of the high school game for that many years. And his name's already on the stadium. That means his name was on the stadium when he was in his like early forties. That's the type of coach that Jeff trailer is. He, I mean, I always respected him so much. He does everything right. And I agree with you. I think that, you know, I think I think it's crazy personally, first of all, before I continue with this, it's crazy that Texas Tech 
fired Matt Wells, in my opinion, when they're, you know, Texas Tech is five and three. Sure, it hasn't been, you know, a great uh, situation at Texas Tech, but they're in the position now to go to a bowl game with one more win for the first time since 2017. So I think Texas Tech essentially did was let's fire this coach before he gets bowl eligible and makes it more difficult for us to fire after that, which I think that's BS. I hate that type. I hate that side of the, you know, college coaching game a lot. And you see it a lot nowadays um, since it's a win now mentality that people have. But so, you know, but if they're moving on, then I definitely agree with you that Jeff Trailer they got to do everything they can to get him. And, you know, he, he is, as you mentioned, he's going to talk language. I mean, yeah, he's from East Texas and this is West Texas, but still he's a good old Texas boy that understands the, the pride, the tradition and what it takes, you know, in those kind of smaller towns in the state of Texas to be elite and as a coach, but also to put elite teams on the field and to coach them up to their best potential. And he showed that in the high school ranks he, I mean, he did a great job at Texas. I agree with you, Tom Herman. One of his biggest mistakes was not keeping Jeff Trailer, and he's such an elite recruiter. I mean, you know, he, I think Jeff Trailer is one of those coaches. If if you uh, let him in your house and he sits on the couch and talks to mom and dad, it's going to be tough for mom and dad not to be sold on what he has, you know, what he is selling. So I'm going to agree with you, and I'm going to love it and say that Jeff Trailer would be an ideal fit for Texas Tech to replace Matt Wells. Well, Taylor, it's um, it's going to be an interesting week, and um, we appreciate everybody for listening to the flagship podcast. If you are not a member um, at Horns 24-7, we would invite you to be an annual member so that you get access to all the premium content on every site in the 24-7 sports network, the preeminent um, network for college football, college basketball. And, um, and if you're not a subscriber to the Horns 24-7 YouTube channel, make sure uh, that you're a subscriber there so that you're getting all of our great interviews with uh, Michael Griffin um, later this week with David Smoke. And, um, you know. And we have the state of recruiting now on video as well. So we have a, our other one of two of the three Horns 24-7 podcasts are now on video at the Horns 24-7 YouTube channel. Just go youtube.com uh, forward slash Horns 24-7. Click the bell, subscribe, and you'll get all the latest content for both the flagship and our interviews and our recruiting guys who are, you know, the best duo in uh, Texas football recruiting with Mike Roach and Nick Harris on the, the state of recruiting. Yeah, and recruiting is electric right now. It's so exciting. I mean, Arch Manning, uh, you name it. Um, there's still some big fish out there, some big, uh, big recruits out there. Uh, and those guys are all over it. So, um, thanks again so much for listening to the flagship podcast. Make sure that you're tuned into all the podcasts at 24 seven sports for Taylor Estes. I am chip Brown until next time, stay safe and keep the faith. Hello everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.